Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis. And I'm Helen Tupper. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast. Every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through our squiggly world of jobs and careers. So today we're going to be talking about a topic and I guess a bit of a concept called emotional agility, which is something that has been written and talked about by Susan David. And I've read the book and Sarah's watched the TED Talk and Sarah's done a survey on this. So we've been, I think, do you know what, we've probably dived into it a bit too deeply yeah. for our 30 we've got we've talked about it extensively so we're going to try and <laughs> rise above all of our exploration and curiosity and questions and so that we can get really focused and practical for you about this topic of emotional agility because we do think it's really really important so maybe if I start Sarah with a simple definition of what it is and what it isn't and maybe if you do the and why it's important and that should hopefully that should hopefully help us set us up for success yeah yeah (laughs) clarity for us at the very least so a definition of emotional agility then that we're going to work with in the context of the podcast so it is about being aware of and understanding our emotions and then choosing how to respond to those emotions in a way that helps us so rather than sort of responding by default to what we might be thinking or feeling it's really about choice and Susan David says that it's the ability to come to your inner world your thoughts emotions experiences and self stories with courage compassion and curiosity rather than maybe feeling defensive or responding in a default mode. The opposite of emotional agility is emotional rigidity. And that's where we get really attached to thoughts and processes that hinder rather than help us. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight into what it is and what it isn't. And I think it's useful for two or three different reasons. The first is that with all of the uncertainty and change that we experience day in, day out. I do think there probably just are more emotions now in terms of the work that we do. Positive emotions, negative emotions, but there is this kind of sense of everything that's happening around us is likely to trigger emotions in us. So how we choose to respond to those is really important for us, for our development, for how much we enjoy the work that we're doing. And I think in the environments that we work in, Perhaps traditionally, there was sort of one of two mindsets. There was either the sort of, we should all just get on with it mindset, which is maybe you ignore or avoid emotions. The sort of, there's no place for emotions at work and 
everyone just keeps moving forward as one. Or there's the, oh, we should be relentlessly optimistic, upbeat and positive, which also doesn't feel a-realistic, but also it doesn't feel like it reflects our experiences at work either because things don't go well all of the time. And when we have emotional agility, what psychologist Susan David and lots of the other researchers that have done work into this area have found is that you're less stressed, you make fewer mistakes, you're more innovative and it improves job performance. So there's lots of reasons to believe here as to like why this is useful. I don't think it's easy. I don't think this is an easy thing. There's not quick fixes that we can say, well, if you do these three things, brilliant, you'll just have it all kind of equal emotional agility. But I think there are some things that you can think about and start experimenting with that will start to make a bit of a difference. I think the reason you might want to do this and the reason you might want to keep listening is if you're ever in a situation at work where you feel frustrated by your emotional response you know you feel a bit of like out of control of your emotions you think oh why did I respond that way why did I react that way I did that wasn't quite how I wanted to be that's why I think this is a really useful topic if you can identify with that then this is a really useful topic for you to kind of listen on to now and take some practical tools away that might help you to Sarah's point it isn't easy but there are some things you can do it's just they're not the super quick fixes Sarah I love the jokes. way you said uh, you were like you know what might keep you listening almost like by this point everyone's just turned off they're like this sounds too hard already <laughs> sounds too hard we'll try and make it easier but before when we were talking about this Sarah said it's not quite 10 practical tips on productivity today is it <laughs> and it's it because isn't. we we had to have about a two-hour conversation about it before we could even record the podcast <laughs> so a couple of things then that might affect your emotional agility and maybe some of these might resonate with you so the first thing that might affect your ability to have this emotional agility you know to be able to reflect before you respond to a situation one is the stories you tell yourself as a bit of an experiment in the book Susan David talks about some situations and scenarios that it's useful to reflect on what your immediate response might be to these. So Sarah, you're going to be my guinea pig. I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios. Okay, what are your, it's free association, so thoughts and feelings in response to these three situations. Number one, meeting up with people from school for the first time in 20 years. Go. No, thank you. (laughs) And I don't want to. And that feels like a lot of pressure. And I'd be really worried about it and self-conscious don't know what to say and I don't really like socializing at the best of times so that just sounds like something that would make me very anxious oh I mean that sounds awful (laughs) also very different to me I'd be like yay (laughs) I'm excited Um, okay another one for you number two someone else who is succeeding in your team great I'd feel really happy I'd be like brilliant I'd want to know more I'd want to celebrate their success And I'd be interested in what has helped them to be successful. So is there anything I can learn from that? What have they done really well that we could share with other people in the team? I'd be happy. I want to celebrate like, and say, well done. And I'd want to know what can we learn from that success? Okay, a last one for you. A manager who has not replied to like a difficult or challenging email that you've sent them earlier in the week. A spiral of (laughs) self-doubt. Sounds delightful. (laughs) Would manifest itself. So I would, it would have taken me a lot of bravery to have done that in the first place. And I don't like conflict and I don't like confrontation. So that's already a hard thing for me to do. And then if somebody didn't respond, I would think, 
they think I've done a bad job or I've not said the right thing or I wonder what they're thinking about me or perhaps I'm not even important enough for them to bother or to maybe stop they've the ignored spiral, it. Stop the uh, so There you go. So I would that that would be a that would be a spiral of self doubt. Okay. Well, um, so I hope I have. What does that tell you about me? What's what the, what's the answers? What are the answers? Yeah. Well, the answers are the stories that we tell ourselves about the situations that we find ourselves in can go one or two ways. They can go towards self-criticism. So what have I done wrong? I'm not doing a great job here. You know, you become very critical. So for example, like assuming that meeting up with people from your school is going to be really a bad situation and you're going to feel bad about that. That was probably on the side of the criticism and the the manager, you know, what have I done? That's become very kind of self-critical. So that's one way you can respond. The other way that you can respond, which is more positive for your emotional agility is with curiosity. When you talked about someone else succeeding in the team and you were like, oh, what can I learn from them? And what have they done? As well as all the nice things you said about congratulations congratulating them that's more about being curious about a situation and Susan David says that how we respond to situations the stories we tell ourselves what we really want to do is spend more time being curious and open about the situations we find in rather than defaulting to kind of self-criticism because that's taking us towards rigidity so I guess for everyone listening maybe think through some what your honest responses would be to those situations to almost see where your baseline is on a scale of self-criticism to open curiosity where are you sitting based on your responses so I got one of three you did uh, that's I mean, better, was... better than zero to th- than three I guess that, <laughs> yes it is what a curious way of responding yeah <laughs> um, okay so one of the other things that can be a bit of an impact for our emotional agility is how many hooks how many hooks we have. These are things that almost mean that we fall into the fixed rigid thinking. She calls it a premature cognitive commitment, i.e. we just wow. we just kind of default to a negative response. A couple of common emotional hooks that aren't great. The first one is called thought blaming. So this is where you blame your action on a thought. For example, I thought Sarah was stressed today, so I didn't ask her for her help. That thought is not evidence, it's not a fact, it's just I've kind of thought something and then I have created a whole set of actions that I might not have done based on a thought I've had. So we blame our thoughts for the actions that we take. That's one thing. We don't really test those thoughts. The second thing that can be a bit of an emotional hook, I mean, that we get stuck in rigid thinking, is um, what she calls monkey-mindedness. And this is like internal chatter that can magnify a situation. And she says that some people who go round and round and round and round their heads, they get obsessed with the push of the past and the pull of the future, i.e. something's happened in the past that we it drives our thinking, we can't let go of it, or we get so obsessed with what something could do, we spend a lot of time thinking about it. We're not very good at staying present, basically, and being with... If we can't stay present, then it's very difficult for us to kind of reflect on what's happening in the moment. Those are the past and the future feelings can drive us. And then the last thing that can sometimes get in the way of us having emotional agility is outgrown ideas. So, for example, maybe there was some point in your career where you developed an idea that if you're too assertive, then people won't like you. It's maybe something that you learned when you were younger, you know, like the whole like, if you're bossy, then that's not a good Mm. thing. These like outdated ideas that somehow have hooked into your brain and that are now driving how you're thinking and feeling and those outdated or outgrown ideas can make us more rigid and unable to have the agility that can help us so the useful thing here is to reflect 
on whether, in terms of how you respond to a situation, maybe whether you are someone who avoids engaging with emotion. It's what Susan David calls being a bottler. So you just kind of, you distract yourself with other things. You dismiss the emotion. You're kind of not, you're just not engaging with it in any way. Or maybe you over-engage. You're kind of a bit of a thinker, a ruminator. She calls this being a brooder. And that's the person who's probably doing a bit of the monkey-mindedness. You're kind of making it too big in your mind. Are you a bottler, Sarah, or a brooder? Well, we were talking about this before, weren't we? And I think we've realised that we're different to each other here. What a surprise. Um, <laughs> which I can't work out whether that's almost like the ultimate worst combination or whether that's useful or whether it just is, is what it is. We think when we were chatting through our examples that I'm more of a brooder. I was thinking, I think I'm a bottler as well. But I think the way my emotions would manifest themselves is I would think about them a lot. I'd keep thinking about them. I wouldn't let them go. And probably you can imagine that might mean that I make something bigger in my mind than it perhaps is in reality. So like, for example, if you and I have had a difficult conversation or if I feel like a meeting hasn't gone very well, I'll keep thinking about that and that will kind of stay in my head for a long time. I'll keep it alive for a long time. Yeah, I won't do that. I, my friend Kay says that I compartmentalise my emotions, which I think basically means put them in a box. So I'm a boxer, not a bottler. But as in, I'll be like, oh, that's to do with that situation. I'm not going to think about that at the moment. That's going to get in my way if I spend too much time thinking on it. The point is that neither of those things are helpful. Me avoiding engaging with the emotions is a rigid way of thinking that stops me learning. And Sarah overthinking the emotions is also not necessarily helping her to move forward and kind of take action with it so neither of them are great what is better Sarah what can we do that is better help us so let's move on then to ways that you can become more emotionally agile and I think it is really important to say is that everybody experiences these times where we do become more emotionally rigid and more fixed in our thinking so please don't now beat yourself up and become you know, maybe, or maybe you're listening and if you're someone who moves on quickly, you're probably not doing that. Or if you're like me, you could perhaps get into really worrying about, oh, am I managing my emotions in the right way? What we really want to think about is, well, what actions can you take in those moments where perhaps your emotions do feel difficult, hard, they're hindering you rather than helping you? What could you do? And so what we've tried to summarise is almost three things to work through in the moment. So when you are having a kind of tough emotional moment, like what could you do? So we're going to go through these kind of three almost steps and we'll use an example as we go through because we found that helpful as a way to think about this. And then we're just going to finish by talking about a more proactive way as well of thinking about emotional agility. But this first bit, so this is in the moment, something doesn't feel very good. You know, you kind of feel quite emotional. The first question, a coach yourself question to ask is, who are you listening to and who is louder in your mind right now? Is it your inner critic or is it your inner coach who is in charge? And often I think when we feel emotional, we're not sure what those emotions are, but it just doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right, is when our inner critic kicks in. This isn't bad and actually really like, so Susan David talks about this idea of like doubts as data and our inner critics are doing what they're designed to do spot things that make us scared and help us to feel safe. So at this point, it's not actually about going, I'm going to ignore that inner critic. I think it's actually about noticing, first of all, that's who's in charge right now. Having that awareness 
And then like listening to what are you telling yourself? So actually almost like understand what is that inner critic saying? So that's kind of the first thing. Most of the time, I think in these hard moments, your inner critic is more likely to be in charge rather than ignoring or avoiding that inner critic or spending too much time with that inner critic, letting it kind of keep going for ages and ages. Just kind of notice what am I telling myself? What are those self stories that Helen talked about? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So step two, when you've noticed and heard your inner critic, is then to start to label what you're hearing as either facts or feelings. And the reason this is helpful is it helps you to see a situation much more objectively. So for example, Helen and I had a meeting last week that didn't go very well. I came out of that meeting and I felt emotional. I wasn't about to cry or anything. It wasn't that emotional, but it felt tough and it felt difficult I was like frustrated. I couldn't really understand what had happened. And at that moment, we can't see the wood from the trees. And that's where facts and feelings can be really useful. What I could then do then is think, okay, what are the facts of that situation? Helen and I hadn't had time to talk before that meeting because we'd had three of the meetings straight before. So we'd not spent any time together. That's just a fact. The fact was the meeting happened. It went well. The people in that meeting got what they needed. So, okay, that's fine too. Those are all those facts. How am I feeling about that meeting? Okay, well, I'm now, rather than just going emotional, you actually get more specific. You think, I felt a bit anxious during the meeting. I felt frustrated and actually maybe a bit stuck. You go, okay, that's useful. So you've just started to basically take a bit more ownership, I think, of your feelings and to drill down into them, but also to make sure you see the facts of the situation particularly for me, I guess the reason this is useful is it also stops you magnifying things. Another way that I could see that situation is, well, that meeting was a disaster. Helen and I are a disaster when we're in (laughs) meetings together. And you can quite quickly get to, you can start to apply what happens in one instance into everything that you do. 
And then you could start to question, maybe we're not very good at working together and maybe we're not the right people to run a business. And quite quickly, that spiral could really happen. Versus perhaps if you're Helen and you're someone who kind of bottles that up, what Helen might have done after that meeting is gone, okay, that didn't feel great. I'm just going to move on to the next thing. That is exactly what I did. I know, I know it is. entirely what it does. That's so funny. <laughs> Whereas I was like having some sort of existential crisis and you, you just literally moved on to the next thing. <laughs> but the thing is, what would happen is it would happen in another meeting and I would just go, oh, it's happening again. And it's almost like small bits of irritation would add up because I would never engage with the emotion and it would almost just get bigger and bigger, I think, in my mind because I just keep repeatedly seeing it rather than working through it. It's interesting as well, you know, about the naming the emotions. It makes me think about me and my little boy, Henry, at the moment. So my little boy is six. He gets quite frustrated just generally, and it comes out in little outbursts. And I've been doing, you know, a bit of a research on how I can help him. And one of the things that in my research that I've been doing as a way of helping him has been basically getting him to name his emotions. And so I say to Henry now, when he gets really, really frustrated, I'm like, tell me what you're feeling. Um, What are the words? Sarah kindly bought me a book on emotions as well, like for children, so that I could say, you know, is it this feeling? And it's so much better. We can now have a conversation about in that moment when he's like, he just gets really, really cross. I say to him, like, what are the feelings? And he'll be like, angry, frustrated, upset. And I'll be like, okay, let's talk about that. And it's like the gateway to a conversation rather than just this big emotional response that actually, to be honest, neither of us can really understand. So I appreciate we're not all a six-year-old, but um, (laughs) I have seen that act of naming your emotions, how it really helps you move forward rather than just the, I'm feeling a bit emotional. I also think it helps you to appreciate and have empathy with each other because you might just come out of a meeting and feel like oh that didn't go well but that doesn't really help you Mm. whereas actually if we're both really clear about well what are the emotions that you are feeling like naming those you start to see oh okay well people a experience the same situation in different ways and then you can actually understand the other person so then you can find a way through things so the third step then and this is where you get into responses and your behavior And probably until this point, it's more about kind of your mindset. And then at this point, I think it's then going, okay, so what are you going to do with that knowledge and that awareness that you've gained? And this is where we really want to think about how we respond and does it align with our values? So Susan David describes the kind of relationship between emotional agility and values. And she says, emotions change like the weather, but your values stay still. And I'm slightly kind of praising there, but I thought that weather analogy was a really good one it was like well your emotions will change all of the time within a day can actually change quite dramatically but your values they're core to you they're what motivates and drives you they're stable and you can keep coming back to them and if you use your values as a way to guide your responses and the behavior that then you take that then is feels then very consistent with how you want to show up you're much more likely to feel kind of good about what you then do So just to give you an example, so my four values are achievement ideas, learning and variety. And when I was thinking last week, this meeting didn't go well, I was feeling some of those emotions, I was saying I was feeling like anxious, stuck, etc. Now, because I am somebody who would just overthink things, my inclination, particularly as an introvert, is to not say anything and to stay in my head. Almost that's my comfort zone. Just keep thinking about it. Nothing will ever change, but I'll just keep thinking about it. And in some ways you sort of luxuriate, I think, kind of in that, because that's like your natural personality. Whereas actually if I say, oh yeah, but those are my values, ultimately that's what motivates and drives me. 
I'm not going to learn anything from that situation unless I do something about it. And that doing something about it is I need to have a conversation with Helen to A, tell her this is how I'm feeling and so that then we can figure it out so that we can both get better, so that I can get better, so that we can both get better. And ultimately, I'm so motivated by learning and probably a bit of achievement there because I think, oh, well, if we learn, then we'll get better and then we'll achieve more. And then achievement's my number one value. And then I really start to think, well, maybe I could have a conversation with Helen. Maybe I could, because it feels hard. This this is hard because you're probably going against, I think, the easy option. I don't think this is ever easy to choose to respond in a way that perhaps doesn't feel as natural. But if it aligns with your values, I think that's the gentle nudge, or perhaps sometimes a slightly harder push, that we need to respond positively and usefully and in a way that makes us feel good. So... Fortunately, I was brave enough to have that conversation with Helen. And, you know, I do appreciate it's easier for us because we do, and most of the time, get on very well. (laughs) I feel like this podcast is making it sound like we don't, but we do. And I'm so glad that I did because then straight away, as we've described, it forces Helen to then acknowledge those emotions because actually she didn't feel like it had gone very well either. But she wouldn't have talked about it either because she would have just moved on to the next thing. And then quite quickly, we could say, oh, well, why not? And, oh, actually, we have noticed this before and it's not changing. So what else do we need to try out? What could we experiment with? And it felt really constructive. And we both then said, I think within 24 hours, we're so glad that we've got to the point in our business together where we can have those kinds of conversations. Because I'm not sure even a year ago we would have been able to do that. And so at this point, you finally get to, after everything we've talked about... 30 minutes in. That it might you, be okay. <laughs> you, get to, you get to the payoff. You get to the payoff. <laughs> the, the values things really, it really resonates with me. So two of my values are about growth and energy. And if I think about, well, if my default response is to bottle and like avoid engaging with emotions, then that actually does not align with my values. Because if I do that, I'm not growing. If I think about that situation that we were in in that meeting, that even though I tried to put that into a box and avoid it, but... It didn't feel like great energy. It didn't feel like great energy in the moment. I didn't like how that energy felt for me. And that's one of my values. And so if I come away from a situation and I think, well, how was that default emotional response? How did that align with my values? And if it didn't, it sort of makes me go, well, that's not what I want. I want energy. I want growth. I've got to do something different in order to get that. So yeah, it definitely works for me too. And yeah, I think ultimately we just got better at being curious about our emotions now Mm. rather than self-critical or even critical of someone else's emotional response. We're much better at going, oh, why did you feel like that? And why was that? I think what could be really useful for this topic is having a few go-to coach yourself questions. And perhaps I'll have a go at putting a few of these together over the next couple of weeks for people and share it on our Instagram. We're just at Amazing If. Asking questions like, am I approaching this situation with curiosity or am I being self-critical or critical of other people? I think that to me is like, oh, if I just keep asking myself that question, I think it would prompt positive action for me. And I think there's probably two or three things like, have I worked out what the difference between the facts and the feelings of this situation are? Just keep going back to things that can help you to work through these situations that are quite short and quite simple, but then just get you very quickly, actually, like we did this within half a day, probably, get you to a much better place and a place of like learning and development. Yeah, absolutely. I think acknowledging the emotions is just so important. And um, one smaller thing, I think, which then we've talked about, which I, but I do think it's really practical in terms of how emotional agility can help you 
on a kind of almost like a more day-to-day basis really which is with how you think about your goals so when we set goals for ourselves at work rigid thinking creeps in when we start to do goals because we think we have to so when we're making these assumptions like I have to get promoted in order to be successful I have to be involved in that project or people won't think I'm doing a good job whatever it is those have to types of thoughts and feelings that actually might influence the goals that we set for ourselves whereas emotional agility becomes more part of the way that we work and the things that we do when it becomes about want to I want to get involved in that project so I can I don't know learn grow and develop I want to build a relationship with that person because I think they'll be a really meaningful stakeholder for me and my career and it's just about thinking about your goals from a position of what you want to do and why you want to do it rather than what you feeling like you have to do anything that feels like you have to do it or you should do it is a bit of a signal that there might be some emotional rigidity behind that whereas emotional agility is the thing that informs what we want to go and do so it's small but might inform your goal setting going forward So that's where we're going to leave this rather big topic today. (laughs) We tried to make it as practical as possible. So hopefully it's made sense to you and you've been able to take away some things that you can reflect on. As Sarah said, we'll try and get you a few coach yourself questions. We would really love your feedback. Like, let us know, has this resonated with you as a topic? Can you see any of these behaviours in yourself? You know, maybe you're a bottler or you're a brooder. Let us know. You can just get in touch with us at Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com and we would love to get your feedback on this topic but whether you know it's about the mindset the facts and feelings or the acting in the ways that align with your values or maybe just some of those smaller goal setting things we hope there have been some actions that you can take away from today so for next week's podcast we've got something slightly different for the next couple of months for you we've got our third series of our ask the expert interviews which will be going live next Tuesday and we're going to do them slightly differently so we're going to do one week of an ask the expert so next week you'll hear myself interview Celeste Headley talking about kind of the art of conversations and listening Celeste's TED talk is one of my I think it's in my top three I would say certainly top five just because she talks about the kind of 10 ways basically to have better conversations she's previously been like an NPR radio host and she's just really practical she's got great ideas she was a real joy to talk to and I think it'll be perfect for the podcast I I would anticipate this will be a really popular episode so that's coming up next week and then the week after it'll be back to Helen and I talking about a topic And then the week after that, we'll have another Ask the Expert. So we're going to do kind of a week of Ask the Expert, a week of Helen and I talking just to try something new out and to keep things mixing up and interesting, hopefully for you all. And also just a quick update for anybody that applied for our Squiggly Career Advocates Awards. Thank you so much for your application. We've had hundreds of different applications and Sarah and I have now got a bit of a job to do with reviewing all of those. But I can't wait because I'm very much looking forward to reading all of the stories that people have shared with us. And we will be announcing our advocates at the end of April. So that's everything for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> 